Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Every week I talk to treasurers about how they built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Bukadida, Senior VP of Finance and currently actually Interim CFO at Etihad Airways. Etihad is the national airline of the United Arab Emirates. The airline was actually established by Royal Decree back in 2003 and wholly owned by the government of Abu Dhabi. But I'll actually get Adam to describe a bit more about the company and some of the things he's done there as well. Adam, as I say, I've known each other for a number of years back since, well, this sort of Kimberly Clark slash Tesco days when Adam was based in the UK, but he's made this move. He's actually based over in Abu Dhabi. So actually, if we go back to the beginning, if we, let's, let's have a, a leisurely walk through the background of, of Adam Bukadida and how you've made your choices within Treasury, leading you to a very successful career over there. And we'll jump in with some questions as we go through. So Adam, it's over to you. Thanks, Mike. So as Mike said, I've, I've known Mike quite a while, um, starting off um, when I worked at Tesco. Prior to Tesco and starting off my career, um, was actually in banking. So I started working for Royal Bank of Scotland when it was a small Scottish bank, so prior to NatWest. And fortunate enough, over the seven years I spent there, I managed to cover a number of different roles all across the treasury and capital market space. Gave me an opportunity to work on projects, uh, on systems, on managing small, medium and large items teams. And it also gave me an opportunity to see what life would be like working with a corporate. It then led me to a number of career changes or career opportunities, especially with Kimberly Clark being obviously a large corporation that we all should be aware of. And this was a more of a project-based role, which was establishing their European Treasury Centre as part of their broader finance shared service centre based out of Brighton. So that involved a shift for myself at that time prior to marriage and kids, moving from London to Brighton, which I did for just over 12 months. Now that was a great opportunity to go in and help establish, as I said, the first European Treasury Centre that was previously outsourced to an external provider. This also included setting up the systems, processes, policies, and recruiting and training up a small specialised team. I then met, actually, the previous group treasurer at the time, a number of colleagues at an ACT event from Tesco. And I was very interested in Tesco, obviously, as a well-known brand. It was quite close to my hometown, being from uh, the London borders in Chesant. And it was a great opportunity because they had experienced dramatic growth and was looking to invest heavily into the team, but also, again, into the systems, operations, and catching up, really, with the rest of the business. So, Adam, you talked about making that move from Kimberly Clark and then into Tesco's, but how did it... How, what was the difference? Because, well, I'll have guys listening now that maybe are in a similar situation. You know, they might be working for an RBS or someone like that, and you're making that move into the corporate. How do you find that changed, or how was Treasury different, certainly in those days, and then... Coming through that. So if I answer that, it's a couple of different parts then. I think having worked for, and I'll sort of touch on Arthur Tesco, two banks, obviously working for a corporate, you get to see a lot more of the end-to-end business, which is mm. really what I've found personally interesting. I think working for a bank, you get a lot more detail into a particular part of treasury or a particular part of finance or investments or MRA. But working for a corporate, you get to see a lot more the role in which Treasury plays within finance and finance plays within the business itself. 
So I think that is the, probably the main, the main difference and probably exciting element for me personally. I think for the right individual, it should be little to no negative change for them. It's how you grasp that opportunity. Always ask the right questions and always challenge the status quo. And then, you know, you join Treasury at Tesco in a period of, let's say, change. Systems and controls are coming in. What was it like before? And because you know, Tesco is known as a big retailer, but how was it evolving at that time? It was substantial growth. This was the time of international growth in Tesco, including US, including Asia. Re-implementation of the Treasury management system. There was changes in reporting requirements. There was bringing in new Treasury-related Pacific graduate schemes. And one area in particular I found extremely challenging and rewarding was leading the offshoring of the support functions within Tesco Treasury to the already established Finance Shared Service Centre based in Bangalore, India. So again, it was substantial growth, challenging market conditions. Tesco, at that point in time, was obviously the lead in the industry. And on the back of that, Treasury and Finance had a, had a key role to play. And obviously, we had to look at both the processes, systems, and our cost base in order to continue to support the business. And then talk about the progression. So you started within the sort of treasury back office and the, that systems and control role. You know, how did it then evolve sort of thing, you know, because then you began to treasury ops. How did those two differ? And, you know, what was the transition like for you taking on more, you know, responsibility? I was asked recently in Luxembourg and someone said about you go from being an individual and doing your day job to then and being a contributor to actually managing other treasury guys. And, you know, last week you were sitting alongside them, suddenly you're now sitting not above them, but well, maybe above them and actually right, mentoring them and everything else. How did you make that transition? What are you like as, what are you like as a boss? The first role I did at Tesco was similar yet different to what I helped contribute towards in, in Kimberly-Clark. So again, it was very project-focused, very transformation, change-related ownership, if you like. And it was part of the broader middle office and back office function. Over time, and probably establishing trust with the management there at the time, I was then asked to take on the back office function as well as the systems and, and control elements. There was then an opportunity for, to take on what was called then the head of treasury operations. Again, treasury operations can be different depending on where you are in each company. Treasury operations at Tesco at that particular point in time meant all front office cash management, banking relationship management. So it was a great opportunity for me for something that I had done on the flip side, i.e. in the bank, going back to where we started out, and now managing this, obviously, for Tesco being one of the largest UK corporates. So it's a great opportunity. Yes, there was team management involved. At that time, it was a small function with a part of it obviously being outsourced, as I touched upon earlier. But there was probably around five, six people in, in the UK and a much larger team supporting us out of Bangalore in India. And what was it like having, you know, so you've got direct management day to day, probably an easier task in some ways that if you need to give someone feedback, you just, you know, grab a coffee or, you know, sit down with them. What was the remote management like? What, what challenges did that throw up? Again, you know, we've got listeners who are going, oh, I've got to do that soon. What, what, what tips would you give to people? Sort of thing? That's a great question. So, I mean, in every, well, not every, but many, many businesses now across different sectors and across different locations or parts of the world. Outsourcing and insourcing is a key requirement or 
question that is asked by many challenging boards or many challenging owners of organizations. So this was very different for me because I hadn't done that before. Haven't, and I'll come back to what we did and how we've done it. But having said that, it's a great opportunity now because every business since Tesco that I've worked for have either largely insourced or outsourced parts of their finance uh, operations. So it's definitely a skill set and an opportunity, if that does arise, that I would recommend people to, to explore and to get involved with. At Tesco, going back to the first part of the question, it was challenging at times. These were, again, probably similar to myself going back a few years. And at this time, especially from a corporate treasury capability in India, there was, there was some limitations. So what we found was the best way to resolve that was to actually hire in some experienced treasury banking professionals with obviously a lot of the banks at that point in time outsourcing a lot of their back office and operational work to India. So we recruited some guys from various different international banks, RBS being included, and we basically brought them over to, to lovely Chesham in North London to, to train them up in what is required from a corporate treasury perspective. We also added in some fundamental training and the entry sorry, level from an ACT perspective in terms of qualifications, so that when you're speaking to your counterparts in India, they was able to, one, the same language, but two, more importantly, understand what the expectations was from the head office treasury function. This did involve in frequent amount of travel, uh, I wouldn't say excessive, and obviously the use of technology, open dialogue and communication to ensure that everyone, one is, expect, one, is aware of what is expected, but two, to ensure that the remote team feel part of the broader team, which is obviously key in making this successful. You mentioned there that with some of those guys, you you guys trained them and, and got them involved with the ACT, which was, it's not known so well in that region, but obviously you were bringing them over, those guys and putting them through. Did that make a real difference, did you find? I think it really helped with, as I said, ensuring that the communication was clear, understanding was clear, but also in terms of making them feel part of the team. Tesco at the time were big supporters of qualifications and training, both from SEMA and both, uh, and secondly from the ACT. So again, the, the expanded team, the remote team being part of that broader team environment uh, and feeling more part of one family, it really did help in that aspect also. So actually sponsoring their studies brought them close to you guys because then you're perhaps speaking from the same sheet and understanding the same terms and things, did you find? Exactly. Both, again, from, from, a, from a technical perspective, but also from a staff morale and engagement perspective, it also really did help. Yes. So it reached well 2011, and you got a phone call, or how did what happened? You decided you'd had enough of the beautiful British weather, and I'm speaking here today as it's well, it's been raining virtually all day, living the dream out here. And you went to sunny Abu Dhabi, or how did that come, that move come about? So actually, linked link to that last point, we were talking about in terms of the shared service centre. So okay. having exposure to frequent international travel. The, the wife then and I, uh, we just recently got married at this point in time, we're speaking and exploring many different opportunities internationally. It's something that I, we have always wanted to do. And I was actually approached by at the time, National Bank of Abu Dhabi, which is now First Abu Dhabi Bank, uh, about an opportunity in something similar, but a little bit different to what I had done at Tesco on a much larger scale. So it was a great opportunity. We had been to the UAE, we'd been to Dubai a couple of times. We hadn't been to Abu Dhabi. Um, so after a couple of visits to Abu Dhabi, we decided to take that opportunity. The opportunity there was a lot more strategic focus and a lot more leadership and man management 
uh, responsibilities than I had had in previous organisations. So I had a team across Europe, Middle East and Asia, so three different locations. Again, I had had that some of that experience with Tesco being London and India-based, but with a team of around 200 people. Mm. And this provided all middle office, back office support for all areas of the bank. So that covered not just treasury, it covered global markets, capital markets, uh, secured lending, and various parts of all of the wholesale banking, including custody and other areas that I hadn't had direct experience in. So it gave me an opportunity, one, to get that international exposure that I was looking for, real life experience of working across cultures, which is something that interests me from actually studying my MBA that I completed and was sponsored by Tesco, two, managing a large, diverse team, as I said, and three, it gave me an opportunity to learn something a little bit different. So I think it is important to continue to obviously challenge and stimulate yourself, but also to learn something new. And how did you feel about the shift back to... Well, you've been banking, you established your foundations there, but then you've done a number of years in corporate treasury, core corporate treasury, but as a move back into banking... You know how you know what was a crossover? Were there any concerns you had there, or because then you made a move back into corporate? So those transitions, talk us through those again. This is more for the there'll be people listening. Going, actually, oh, should I, can you do that? You know, people say, oh, they went to bank it. Well, that's it. You made a shift across. Can you shift back again? You know, Connor from it was originally HP, but he started Barclays, HP, RBS, made one to the other. But you've done both sides. So talk us through that. So I'll ask that a couple of sub- subsections. So firstly, yes, yes, you, you could always change, and I think change is good. At that point in time, I was prepared to take a risk, and obviously, you know, hopefully with risks there are rewards. So my advice to anybody would be to take the right amount of risk, calculated risk, if you like. But again, if you have something set in your mind, then, you know, to take that challenge and, and to go with it. Uh, and again, as I said, for the, for the reasons outlined, the international large team exposure, something a little bit new was very appealing to, to me, but also from a family perspective, having the opportunity of moving to a, a new location was interested in. So everyone has that opportunity. Yes, it is a little bit nerve-wracking. This was, again, changing back from corporate into banking. It was also changing company, obviously, but also changing location and country that myself, and at the time, actually, an eight-month baby mm. and wife, was complete uh, transition. But again, we looked at that as an exciting opportunity rather than looking at a potential concern, any potential concerns or risks associated with it. It is simply a great step, again, for the reasons I outlined. Big leadership responsibilities, very strategic focus, i.e. playing a core part in the bank that was transforming. And again, a lot, a lot of growth, uh, double-digit percentages growth year on year. And again, there was a lot of requirement and focus on developing young talent, introducing you know, enhanced processes, systems, but also focusing on what a corporate clients need. And I think the best way to bring that sort of area of expertise into the business is to look at somebody that has worked in corporates. Mm. So again, you have seen in the banking sector a lot of people from corporates moving into banks and vice versa. You see a lot of positions now, senior positions within finance, where you've got ex-investment bankers, ex-corporate bankers, ex-M&A bankers that are moving in because it is a transferable skill set. And so you you transitioned across and got a lot of that skill set. And then what happened? How did the role come up at Etihad or, you know, what happened there? 
So I, I was fortunate enough to work with Etihad as, as one of our one of our big customers, as you can imagine. Right. And Etihad again, so same sort of stories. At this point in time, I joined here January 2014, about three, two and a half, three years at the bank. I was approached by the at the time group treasurer and CFO that I knew from Etihad about their change agenda and what was happening within the business. You know, and, and Etihad, as well as being the national airline of the UAE, based out of obviously the UAE's capital of Abu Dhabi, it plays a much bigger role in border Abu Dhabi dynamics. And it is a key pivotal part of the, the Abu Dhabi vision. And I just thought this was a great opportunity to be part of part of that success story of, of Abu Dhabi, but also again as part of a growing business that is a key contributor and enabler to the economy here, but also the role that it plays in developing the region itself in terms of obviously one, transporting people in and around the UAE and Abu Dhabi, but two, showing Abu Dhabi to the rest of the world, the sponsorship and tie-ups that it has with the likes of Man City that people in the UK will obviously be more familiar with. And then as you grew your role there, were you always saying, right, I want to be you know, more senior here? Or how did your sort of career progress? You made some great progression just to give people an idea that are listening. You went deputy group treasurer, acting group treasurer, currently the interim CFO. How have you got those opportunities? What's been happening? So there's been, you know, there's been significant change. There's been taking the opportunity. Again, I'll keep, continue to say a key term that I would, I, it was said to me actually by a previous, previous boss I worked for, and I've actually inherited that message and continue to use it now, continue to challenge the status quo. So, you know, side off here, as I said, it was deputy group treasurer, which is pretty much fairly similar to what you would have as a corporate treasurer as such, and looked after the group's corporate treasury and insurance functions. So the group treasury when I first joined here was very, very different to, for example, the group treasury of Tesco or that of Kimberly Clark that we've touched upon. So the group treasury here at that point in time looked after tax, structured and corporate finance, corporate treasury, insurance and investor relations. So again, a little bit different to what you may see, in, especially back in the UK or functions that I had exposure to. So again, it gave me an opportunity to look at areas like tax, obviously when deputising for the group treasury at that time. There's been some natural movement and succession planning. And, you know, with any deputy, the plan would always be that the deputy steps into that individual's shoes when they're not there. And again, if the plan is successful, when that person moves internally or moves externally for a better opportunity, that the ideal candidate should be the deputy person based on them obviously successfully delivering in that role for a period of time. I was fortunate enough, again, on that point, based on delivery and, and challenging status quo and successful in that role for a number of years, that I took on the broader group treasury role, which then looked after corporate structure finance, IR, as I said, and also taxation. From then, I've taken on two, two other positions since then. So the SBP finance role looks after everything within the group treasury function, as I've just touched upon, but also other areas of broader finance, which includes what we call credit control, financial operations, which again links back into my background at Tesco and banking, especially focusing on global accounts payable, global accounts receivable, geo reconciliations, master data management, etc. And also the, the transformational part, both from a finance, i.e. balance sheet transformation and restructuring, but also from systems and processes where, you know, for example, I'm leading on and sponsoring the global uh, SAP rollout from an ERP perspective, not just focusing on the treasury perspective. 
And as a manager of people, leader of people, if you're not, rather than you've gone from that to say manager to become a leader, what's your ethos around that leadership role? How, how are you, people again, are listening and wanting advice, thinking actually, how did he do it? Because how many people do you directly coach and lead now? So at the moment, I, at the moment, I'm performing a well-being stream CFO. We have a new CFO that's, that's due to join any day now. In the, in the capacity of CFO, there's around 850 people in the broader finance function, of which at the moment I have probably around 20 to zero direct reports. This is a combination of going back to my day role, if you like, of SVP finance, which is the biggest role of senior direct report of the CFO, where I have um, nine direct reports and around 300 people. And then on the combination of the rest of the finance leadership teams are probably another 10 and their supporting staff of around another 450 all rolled up into the interim group CFO. Again, a couple of, couple of points that I would probably like to highlight. One is treat people fairly. Treat them as you'd like to be treated. Two, it sounds quite simple, uh, regular, transparent, open dialogue. Uh, and again, I've had people, managers and leaders in the past that have been very good at that and some not so. So I try and you know, learn from previous good experiences where people have done that. So I continue to do that myself. And three, going back to the point of challenging status quo, doing a large role with a lot of people and leadership responsibility, that's notwithstanding obviously external relationships and stakeholder management internally, with all of that combined, you don't have a lot of time always to do stuff, if I can call it that yourself. So therefore, you've got people doing the stuff for you and you know, your role is to appropriately challenge and you know, challenge them, but also why and ask about how, how we've got to that decision. So, Adam, you've made these progressions through your different roles there, you know, succession planning and things like that, because obviously you came into these roles and you've grown and grown and grown. What's what's next for you or what's also next for other people coming behind you? Where, did, where does it continue from here? There's a couple of points to raise there. So, mm-hmm. one, working in the UAE and working for a government entity, we have clear commitment, which we all buy into in terms of developing, developing young Emirati talent. So we have a clear amortization strategy, which I lead for finance here. But we also have a finance graduate scheme, which again, if we recall back from probably five, 10 minutes ago, we spoke about a treasury specific one. We have here now linked with SEMA, a dedicated two year program where we take fresh graduates out of the local, local and international universities here and trade people up as that, as that talent pipeline of the future. We also again have a treasury focus uh, linked with the ACT, graduate scheme, again, links over two years, separate but similar to the, the broader finance schema related program, as I just mentioned. So I think, again, it's, it's key to always have talent planning, if I can call it that, as a key part of your DNA in terms of people and HR management, but also to look at a key way of ensuring that you've got succession, but also retention. This is one of the perfect ways to manage in that. Obviously, there's going to continue to be unplanned gaps in your organisational structure, but having the key criteria, or let's say the key five, ten roles within the broader organisation when you have a large organisation, or key one or two roles in a smaller organisation, and ensuring that there's at least contingency plans, but also providing a bottom-up growth opportunity for some, let's call it middle management or lower management employees, so they see that there's that long-term plan, and they see that there's long-term commitment from their management and leaders. I think that is key in any successful team. 
and you talk there about team and and being successful. And it seems like you got. I don't know if you just went out and bought a new trophy cabinet and decided to try and fill it as much as possible. But for anyone that's listening, and I'm just reading down through here, some of your recent honours and awards, and it's like literally a, you know, it's a who's who's award, corporate finance solutions, different things. Was that a deliberate thing, or did people just start recognising it for what you were guys doing, or what was the situation? Because again, you've got loads of awards. Where did that come from? What was the driver for that? I think it's firstly thanks. I think you're very generous. Uh, and a lot of them. <laughs> There's a few, and again, a lot of these are, there's a number of individual awards, Mike, and there's a number of team awards. And, you know, we have been the standout treasury function in the Middle East and Africa for a considerable amount of time now. I'm very proud and pleased with the team that we have here in the corporate treasury function, the structured the corporate finance team, the tax team, but all, and, and, but all of the broader finance team. We have a very, very good, mixed, diverse function here. Some of the awards on there are nominated by a peer group. Some of them are transaction driven. The surprising one is probably the most recent one. I am under 40. So I got a <laughs> nominated for an airline leadership 40 under 40 award. Yeah. So probably a few question marks. Is he really, is he really under 40? But yes, I am. <laughs> but, but all joking aside, it's, it's great to get recognition. It's great for the team to get recognition because it is, it is hard work. And I think treasury and finance, looking at, both parts of my role sometimes go unnoticed you know as let's call it some people call it a corporate function mm. some people call it a back office or support function however if done correctly and embedded and supported within the business treasury and broader finance can be key contributors and game changers in any dynamic and challenging industry and just looking at the you in a wider sense and things like that when you you, you talked about the big leadership team and everything else when you're looking to bring people into the team, obviously, you know, as always, we're hosted by the Treasury Recruitment Company. So interested about recruitment and people issues or people management and team development things. What's your ethos? What are you looking for? Is it, you know, I saw this post on LinkedIn today that CVs don't matter. That's it. You know, just chuck them in the bin. Well, actually, no, they're a good indicator of some of your progression. And that's going to give a measure. And that's also a good way to explore, you know, I'm, I'm using a CV to go through as a pointer. It's not the only thing I'm looking at. And we're talking about, you know, it's a jumping off point. It's hooks in your CV, which actually, oh, that's the progression of this person. And why did you make this move? And it provides an interesting thing about someone's motivations. It's not the only thing. It's part of the toolkit. And I, I didn't go back to it because I don't get involved in these arguments on LinkedIn. But, you know, for you, when you're looking at recruiting people and bringing team members on board, what is it you're looking for? And is it the personality or the CV combination of both? What are you into? So I'd probably break that down again into, into three parts. So we're looking to recruit here. And if I just keep this a little bit generic as finance, yeah. treasury, but obviously treasury is always in my heart and part of my DNA. Yeah. I think I look at three parts. So one, will be experience. So 1A, I would probably put that as direct role functions, organisations that individuals have worked on. Have they got similar or transferable sector experience, which is quite relevant depending on the industry you're working in. Linked to experience, probably 1B, I'll call it grey hair or battle scars. What do I mean by that? We don't want someone that's, that's had it easy all the time. You'd look for somebody that's seen dramatic growth or dramatic decline or a merger, takeover, you know, complete up, upheaval. Um, there's a lot of knowledge, experience, 
and actually gives you a different outlook on how to operate in the organisation depending on the circumstances that's in front of you. So if I call it battle scars, as well as one B, yes, on the CV, definitely the qualifications as well, mm. both with a balance across uh, academic but professional qualifications depending on which particular role we're looking at. And then based on that, you know, generally, obviously being based here in the Middle East in Abu Dhabi, um, depending on where the individual will be located, we then, I would then generally do a, a Skype technology permitting or a telephone screening call with the help of our recruiter or our HR and or our HR function here. And then a lot of it would be down to actually the individual personality. We like, again, I like, again, to have a balance of both, you know, introvert, extrovert, right-hand side, left-hand side, brain thinkers. So again, looking at the broader dynamics and how you can have a diverse team is also key and see how this particular individual's personality will fit in one into the team but two into the broader company as well. Great answer. So as we wrap up today's interview with you, Adam, as we discussed before the show, we'll put Adam's LinkedIn uh, profile in the show notes. So you can then potentially, if it's going to be useful to both parties, Adam can connect to you and you to, to them and things like that. But the question I close every episode with is simply someone looks back at your background and say, actually, that's the sort of career I'm going to pursue following your footsteps and things. What would you give as a summary piece of advice? One piece of advice that, you know, or a couple of tips that people should think about when they're looking at it and thinking, right, I want success in my treasury career. This is what I need to do. Treasury or finance career, as you, you're, you know, ably demonstrating. What would you say? I'll probably summarise that into four, four takeaways or points, Mike. One, have, always have a can-do attitude. Times are not always easy. But I think, again, lead by example and show that you're there for the good and the not-so-good times. Two, and I've said this a couple of times already, always challenge the status quo. Just because someone tells you it's A to, a to B may not be the right answer. So, therefore, always challenge what people are telling you appropriately challenge I'd probably extend that to three it sounds quite strange but actually put your hand up to get some battle scars as I called it earlier they will last a long time and actually if embraced in the right way will will leave you with a good standing going forward and then probably fourth and finally take that calculated risk Uh, again there is good risk to be taken as long as there is the benefits or rewards that you're going to receive if the risk is managed correctly Wow, great advice. Sorry, that was brilliant. I was just like writing down some of the notes to also go in there. I think the key ones I was going to say is, as you say, don't be afraid of getting those battle scars, you know, if it's worth it. And and then that, again, links into be don't be afraid of taking that calculated risk. And like all good treasury professionals, your risk management knowledge needs to be uh, employed also for your, your personal career as well as your professional career and uh, your, your profession. So... Fantastic. Thank you for today's chat, Adam. We finally did it, but there's been a few... He's, he's a busy man, is our Adam. He's, he's, the problem is you're always on stage accepting another award. That's one of the problems, I think. <laughs> maybe, maybe on stage or up in the air on an aeroplane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just travelling everywhere. Adam, thanks for your time today. It's been great to catch up. And uh, if anyone, as I say, we'll put in the show notes, Adam's link to his LinkedIn profile. Connect with him if you think it's going to be great for all parties. I wish you well with your uh, continuing finance career. Thanks very much. Thank you, Mike. And I hope it's been useful. It's been brilliant. Thanks.